You're listening to episode 265 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. We're often told that we have the power to change our habits and patterns, which will then transform our lives. But how do we do that, especially when we've tried so many tactics to change and we feel like we fail? This week's guest is teaching us how to discover the power of your brain and transform your life. Adele Spragon is an award-winning author, a thought leader, and an international speaker and trainer. She has been awarded the 2020 Woman of Inspiration Award, and in 2021, she was recognized as a top behavioral expert of the year. Her book, Shift, Four Steps to Personal Empowerment, has won three awards and is sweeping the globe, transforming how people are setting and achieving their goals. Don't forget that while you're listening today, to screenshot that you're listening, throw that on Instagram, tag me in it at MindBizLife, and I'll reshare with the community. And speaking of sharing, let me share this review that came from one of our listeners, Arlie Kay on Apple Podcast. Arlie writes, the title doesn't lie. This show is a true one-stop shop for leveling up in all areas of your life. Lauren and her guests are absolutely outstanding, consistently bowled over by brilliant advice and nourishing conversations. Arlie, oh my goodness, this is genuinely one of my favorite reviews to date, and I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to leave such a thoughtful review. If you'd like to have your review shared on the podcast, be sure to leave your five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or similar for a chance to hear it read on the show. Now that we've shared all that, let's meet this week's guest. You know what to do. Tune in, turn it up, let's go. with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith. Hi, Adele. Welcome to the show. I am honored to have you join me today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here, Lauren. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I love your energy, and I'm also wildly curious about not only what you do professionally, but how you got started in this journey as a behavioral change expert. Will you share a bit of your story of what led you to this profession and passion? Oh, I'd love to. Um, you know, Lauren, I've been in the, in the personal professional development industry for over 30 years. Wow. And for the first 10 or so, 15 years of those, I was following all the traditional approaches to mindset and to achieving success and goal setting and all of that stuff. And I was actually coaching one of the major industries, personal development industries. I was a lead coach and I was working with all of these people. At the same time, Lauren, a true confession, I had this pattern of quitting. So I wanted my own business and I kept quitting three businesses, one after another, and I couldn't figure out why. So I kept being super successful, I would enroll partners, I would enroll sponsors who paid for everything. Um, they love the idea, I would just get to the verge of success. And then I would turn tail pull back and run and quit. And that was it. There was nothing that could keep me going down that path. So I had this pattern. I was also coaching and helping others to achieve their goals. And one day I thought, is it working? Like, is it working for anybody else? You know, because I kept thinking, oh, it's my fault. I, I've got something wrong. I need to, to keep working on my mindset. So eventually I, I turned and I asked my participants, I said, listen, let's be real for a minute. I said, how many of you are actually achieving the goals that you set out to achieve? 
And about 25% were, they were, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm right on track. I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm getting there. And the other 75% were, "Mm, no, not so much. You know what? Mm -hmm. I, I can't make this mindset work. I can't achieve the goals that I said. It doesn't matter how much visioning I do, how much goal setting I do. I'm still not getting where I want to go. So I thought to myself, all right, it can't be us. At this point, I had been doing this 10, 15 years, right? And I I was super invested in these approaches. Uh, If anybody was committed to these approaches, I was. I would do everything that they told me to do. um, uh, Gratitude journals in the morning, vision boarding, goal setting. I mean, everything. And so I thought, okay, we've got to have the wrong operating instructions. There's got to be something about our brain that is not aligning with what we are being taught to do. So I took myself to university and I started to study the human mind, the human equation. How is it that we make decisions? How is it that we move forward in life? And sure enough, I realized we have the wrong operating instructions. So because of all of my history of personal development, I was also a meditation facilitator at this point. I decided, all right, I'm going to do a deep dive into my own mind. I'm going to use what I've learned in university along with what I can see subjectively within myself. And I am going to come up with new operating instructions. And that's what I did. And um, hugely effective. 87% of my Whoa. participants reach their goal, massively successful. And, and it's, it's nothing about what the person's doing. You know, we're so used to blaming ourselves and thinking there's something wrong with ourselves. Our brain is brilliant, but it is a tool that we need to know how to work. Mm, this is so fascinating to me. And I don't even know where to dive in because there's so many pieces I want to just pull apart. But I'm curious to know when you went back to university, what did you really learn about the brain and the way that we make decisions? Yeah, so I, I went back to study the human equation, like I said. So I, I didn't enroll in psychology because I didn't want to be influenced by what other people were saying. So what I enrolled in was humanities. Oh. And I started to look at the human mind from the perspective of philosophy. What were philosophers saying today and in the past? I started to look at it from the perspective of literature. What what have we written about the human brain in the past? And in this way, I started to realize, okay, things are not aligned. Then I started to look at neuroscience and dive into what the latest in neuroscience was showing us. And that's how I came to the understanding that we need new operating instructions. So what did I learn? A bunch of stuff, Um, mainly, what we have been taught. Okay, I need to back up. The last 20, 25 years in neuroscience, there has been an explosion of research into our own human brain. Up until that point in history, we have been looking at nature. So we were looking outside of ourselves and objectively trying to figure out what was going on out there. And very little looking at what is actually going on inside the brain to show us what is going on out there. Mm. So when we came up with these modern brain scanners, which we're actually able to see inside the brain without invasive procedures, we were able to much more recognize how we are actually, and I'm going to say something that's going to sound a little esoteric, and so I'll have to back it up. We are actually creating an illusion of what is going on out there. Mm. So let me explain what I just said. Our brain is inside a skull. This brain has no access to the outside world. All it has to go on is electrical impulses, 
which flow down these brain patterns, I'm going to call them these neural pathways, which provide us um, a best guess of what is going on in the outside world. And that best guess is based on everything that we have learned in our past experiences. Am I making sense? Yes. Okay, great. So there's no tree inside the brain. There is a neural pathway that delivers a vision of tree. And that tree comes with its own beliefs and its own, you know, actions about trees, behaviors about trees. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to a tree, that makes total sense. Yeah. I don't have a tree out inside my head. I have a picture of a tree inside my head, exactly. but the same is true of ourselves. The same is true of our relationships. We don't actually know ourselves. What we know is neural pathways that deliver a vision of who we believe ourselves to be. And it's that that causes us to act and react. It's that pattern that we have for ourselves. Well, that's a pattern. It's a neural pathway. And the beautiful part is, is our brains have what is now called plasticity. They are constantly rewiring themselves if we show them how to do that. Most of the time, the brain prefers to use an old pathway because that's the fastest route to action. And the brain is trying to keep you surviving. That's its main job, right? Right. So as long as it can keep you taking the same action you took yesterday, it thinks, oh, this is good. We're going to survive. Yeah. But surviving isn't thriving. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so it's like an autopilot there. <laughs> it's, it's autopilot. Most of the time, our brain is working on our autopilot. So we need to upgrade it. We need to know how to upgrade it. We need to know how it's working. Once we know how to upgrade it, then we stop using those past created patterns, which limit us and make us feel small. And we start realizing the massive potential that is within our own brain. And at that point, nothing is stopping you. Ooh, you become unstoppable. So I'm, I'm curious, this makes so much sense. And I hadn't even, had never really envisioned it in this way. I love the tree analogy because that just really made sense to me, but how did you identify your own pattern of then quitting businesses? What did you have to do to look at yourself and change your own pathways? Yeah. So the way we recognize a pattern, and I should say there are, I'm going to say, I'm going to divide patterns into three different blocks. Okay? okay. There are patterns that work. There are patterns that don't work. And there are optimal patterns that are aligned with the situation you're in. Mm. So at any given time, you have these neural pathways in the brain, and some of them work very well. And some of them don't work. And those are the ones that keep us stuck. Those are the ones that make us feel bad. How do we know when we're running a pattern that doesn't work? Well, it's easy. We have a built-in messenger, a built-in guide. We feel yucky. That's how we know. We suffer. We create conflict. We, um, we are misaligned with the situation we're in. That simply tells us, oh, I'm running a past-created pattern that no longer fits where I'm trying to go that no longer fits with the current situation I'm in. And it's this misalignment that causes us to feel yucky. What's the problem with mindset? We shoot the messenger, mm. right? We keep saying, I need to think positive without first exploring what is it that's making me feel misaligned. If we know that it's just a brain pattern, and that our brain patterns are constantly trying to talk to us through our emotions, through our physical sensations. You know, the brain, like the brain is, a brain and body is actually one, right? If we can right. think of the mind as being throughout the body, then it makes sense. All we have to do is say, okay, 
I know when I'm running a pattern when I feel doubtful. I know I'm running an unworkable pattern when I feel scared, anxious, sad, depressed. All of those things that we are trying to deal with through mindset are actually messages that help us to first turn inwards and identify what is not working. Wow. I, I love this. So once you identify what's not working, how do you really begin to change those, those patterns and those pathways? Yeah, great question. So let's go back to my quitting, right? <laughs> I, was, I was going through life and I had at first my pattern for the new business idea that I had, this creative idea was excitement and enthusiasm. And I was energized and lit up and my all my thoughts were, wow, this idea is fantastic. Okay. That was a workable pattern. It worked for me. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. I, I That pattern allowed me to enroll sponsors, partners, get other people excited, get people on board. That was fantastic. It was taking all the necessary actions in the direction of my goal. But at one point, when I hit a particular part in that business where I was right on the verge of success, a different pattern would kick in. And that pattern caused me to feel anxious, have panic attacks, feel terrified of going forward, prevented me from selling, from actually getting on a stage and saying, hey, does anybody want this? A metaphorical stage it doesn't have to be a real stage. That those actions that that pattern were taking were unworkable. Right. My job was not to judge. I'm wrong. There's something wrong with me. My job is to say first, okay, that is a pattern. That isn't something incorrect. It is just an old pathway in my brain that needs an upgrade. Mm -hmm. It's no longer aligned, right? Yeah. Now your next job is to remove that pattern. That's the step that is so missing in our current culture. Yeah. We think that we can just flip. We can just make ourselves wrong, fix the situation, make something else wrong. We swim in this world of blame and shame. We're constantly, as I say, shooting the messenger, flipping to another pattern. But think about it. That pattern still exists in the brain. Mm. Even though you can maybe run another pattern for a short while, that one is still there, ready to be activated the next time the situation triggers that pattern. Right. And that's why I did it three times, guys. Right? <laughs> I couldn't learn by shooting the messenger. There was something about my pattern that needed upgrade. So what was causing me to quit? That's the big question, right? Yeah. When I turned inwards and I started to look at that pattern, I started to realize, oh, okay, I see what's happening. Every time I thought that I was displeasing somebody, anytime I was thought, and, and I, I am saying thought, like it was a belief in me, it wasn't actually occurring on the outside. Anytime I believed that I was upsetting somebody causing some conflict, I had such a pattern for people pleasing conflict avoidance, trying to run away that it would just turn me to quit, I, I just couldn't go forward. Mm. And how it came over me was these panic and this anxiety, right? That's how right? it was manifesting in your body. Yes, yes. Wow. So then how do we kind of make sure that we're not only creating a new pattern, but we're making sure that the one that's not working doesn't come back to bite us in the butt later? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. So when we stop 
thinking, okay, I, I need to back up again, Lauren. Yep. So let's back go back up. to neuroscience, <laughs> backing it up. Let's go back to what neuroscience is now showing us. Remember I said that it's been about 20, 25 years since we've yeah. really started to dive into the human brain and had the modern brain scanners to do so. Surprising fact, what modern brain scanners are now showing us is that the decisions that we are making, the actions that we are taking, actually originate in the unconscious regions of our brain. Once we have a brain pattern that takes a particular action, that brain pattern is triggered first in the unconscious. That unconscious part of your brain drives your action. Then your conscious mind catches up and says, oh, body is taking an action, pattern is taking an action. What is here in the environment that is causing me to need to take that action? And then it does this funny little jump through time and space and says, I would like a cookie. <laughs> impetus to get that cookie is already driving you in that direction. Right. It's got nothing to do with consciousness. It has everything to do with the unconscious, subconscious regions of our brain. We must stop assuming that we know. Okay, the K-N-O-W, that we know what is going on out there in the world, that we know the right direction to take, that we know what we are doing. We must start to doubt, and I know this is going to sound totally backwards, but we must start to doubt that we have the full picture. When we do that, we can start to address, all right, what is going on in me that is causing me to take this action? Our job is to remove the old pattern. What happens then? Well, our brain is brilliant. I mean, you know, people have no idea the depth and the scope and the brilliance of what exists within their own brain. Mm. When we remove an old pattern, here's, here's something else that we know for a fact in neuroscience. Everything in the unconscious levels of the brain that you have seen, heard, touched, tasted, smelled, is stored in as fodder within the unconscious. Hmm. Okay. So all of your past experiences live there. Now, not in a, in a way that we can tap in and say, okay, I'm going to open the drawer from May 2002, May 12, <laughs> 2002. Okay. It, it's not like that, right? Right. But all of those past experiences are there, are stored within the brain, waiting for the old pattern to be removed so that the new pattern can be upgraded. Where the new pattern is going to go is it's going to tap into all of that past experience, all of that past understanding from everything that you've been through in your life. Well, now let's think about this. From the time we're born, we're not born with patterns. Our brain has to create them. We're not like animals who have instincts, right? We, we come into this world a blank slate. We very, very quickly start piecing together patterns. By the time we're about five years old, we filled up a lot of that pattern box. Now we've got a five-year-old running the show. <laughs> and yes, we've upgraded our thoughts, right? And our vocabulary, but we haven't upgraded much the action and the behavior, which is still this little child who's trying to manage this adult world the best it can, but can't do a very good job, which is why I kept turning tail and running, right? Yeah. I was I was running away from the situation because that's what I would have done at five years old, of course. Exactly. So now we remove that pattern. 
where is the brain going to go to create a new pattern? Because you have to have a pattern to take an action. It has to originate in the unconscious. Where the brain's going to go is to all of that experiences that you've had up until today to align the brain as best it can with the actual situation that you're in today. Okay. And that new pattern comes with all that adult faculty, all that adult learning. And so, of course, it is no longer going to turn tail and run. Of course, it's no longer going to be depressed, um, seek out uh, substances to, to escape, you know, all of that stuff that we do. It's just simply because we are misaligned with what's going on in the moment. So we need to stop positioning the conscious mind as if it is in control. Neuroscience now shows us that is fundamentally untrue. Consciously, we are not in control. The unconscious has a lot more say than we give it credit for. Yeah. And I think that's interesting for people to realize too, because like you said, it, it sounds a little counterintuitive to kind of t- take a step back and realize like you are not really in control. <laughs> like your, your conscious mind isn't really driving the show. And to know that, that it's deeper, it's, it's not so surface layer as we may think, I think is powerful. That's, that's awareness in its, in itself. Yeah. And, and when we think about it, it makes so much more sense. Right. I mean, how many times do we take the same action knowing that it, the, it won't work, knowing that it's the incorrect action for us, but we just keep doing it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Once you know that, oh, yeah, right. That action is being originated in the unconscious. Then it makes total sense why we keep doing the same thing over and over again, despite decades, I mean, a hundred years of personal development when it comes to positive thinking, mindset, goal setting. These these approaches are not new. They have been around at least a hundred years and from the 1800s. So why aren't they working for everybody? Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense when you think, oh yeah, hang on a minute. My conscious mind is not the originator of my actions. It is originating in my unconscious. I'm, I'm curious to see how has meditation and understanding patterns, do, have you found that they kind of like tie together or, or do, does like one benefit the other? Yeah. So I, I started meditating at the age of 23. I was very dedicated to it. Um, and I still use a piece of meditation in the four-step repatterning technique, but let me explain the difference. When we meditate, it is solely from the perspective of surrendering, okay? And this is a particular technique called Vipassana meditation or mindful-based meditation. There are many other meditations, which are, you know, concentration meditations where you use the mind, you use a word, you use a vision, right? I'm not talking about those. I'm talking just about mindfulness space. There's a particular aspect of surrender in which you cannot direct where you want that meditation to take you. Mm. Okay. And so it, it works to bring us into the oneness of now. It works to um, definitely to manage our anxieties, our fears, all of our emotions. Meditation is key for all of that hugely beneficial, but not so much when we have a goal and we want to direct ourselves to get to that goal. So, um, so what the four step repatterning technique does is it uses the best of both worlds. It doesn't make anything wrong. So it takes what we are doing, which is not working 
and then it uses a, a piece of the meditative approach, this, this surrender aspect of meditation to remove that pattern. But we are in a way directing the brain for, okay, I've already told you what's not working brain, right? I've, I've identified it for you. I've already told you the source of the problem. It is a pattern. It is not the situation. And so now when you surrender, the brain knows what it's trying to do. It, it's now aligned with, okay, I got to remove that pattern. And I know the goal that this person wants to go in. I know which way to direct the unconscious in the next step, which is step four, where you create the new pattern. Create. And tell me if you got any questions there, because I'm not sure if that makes sense. No, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's it's interesting to point out too of, of how they differ, but also can be used together because like you said, in, in the traditional personal development, it is very focused on your goal, create a vision board, just see it in your mind and it will manifest. But then you hit all of these, these roadblocks and it's, it can be very, like you said, like turning back on self, what is wrong with me? And it's like, when you make it so personal, you can't, you can't get past that. Yes, exactly. You got yeah. it. Yeah. You got it. it, it it's um, like I said, this world of blame and shame that we live in, because you either are directed to, you're always directed towards how do you fix the problem? Mm, so yeah. the first thing that we are taught to see is that everything that occurs in life is either an opportunity or a problem. It's either taking you it's right or wrong let's put it that way right? right and if it's wrong you are directed to figure out what the problem is and fix it well that comes from a very small viewpoint it comes from a, a viewpoint of the brain already knows what is correct the brain already knows which direction you're supposed to take what will bring you success frankly the brain doesn't I'm going to be straight. The, the unconscious, those old patterns that were created when you were five, six, seven years old, they don't have enough understanding of the world to know what is correct. Mm. So that's why we swim in this world of blame and shame. You're either taught, blame the situation, blame the other person. If you can't find anything to blame in the situation, then it's you. Feel ashamed, blame yourself. Fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it but always with the same limited perspective as given by old patterns, which are first in need of an upgrade. We need to rise above those that old vision of what is correct for us. And then you will get a much bigger understanding, a much bigger picture to begin with. And then from there, we can really say, okay, what patterns are preventing me from getting to that larger goal? Yes. It sounds like a lot of unlearning and then relearning as well. Oh, I love that. It's, it's a method of subtraction, not addition. We need to unlearn a lot of what we think we know. So um, much. Uh -huh. and, yeah. and today it's even more imperative that we do that because, uh, Lauren, the world is speeding up. Yeah, it, it's getting much, much, much faster. So it used to be, it used to be that a human being could create patterns throughout their childhood years, and those patterns would continue to work for them into their adult years, because life didn't move very fast, right? right? You lived in the same village, you knew the same people, you were expected to follow the traditions of your parents. So yes, building patterns throughout your childhood years was hugely effective. And then working only using those patterns was massively effective. Today, it just no longer works. There's nothing wrong. It's just the world's speeding up so fast that we need to upgrade our brain 
faster and faster. And we need a tool in our pocket to do that. Yeah. And I feel like someone listening to that may feel maybe a sense of overwhelm when hearing that of like, oh my gosh, the world is speeding up. Like my brain has to keep up. What is really like the root cause of the emotion of overwhelm? Oh, I love that question. Overwhelm is is multiple emotions arising simultaneously in the space. It's it's often a feeling of confusion and doubt with anxiety, with some sort of um, frustration, upset, all of that. You know, we even the word overwhelm kind of speaks to it. It's it's emotions overwhelming us and taking over. And inside that, we start to feel helpless and hopeless. When we know how to work with patterns, overwhelm rarely, rarely arises. Um, I'm going to give you an example. I had one client and she was really struggling with overwhelm and how her pattern was managing it was she would just take to the couch, throw a blanket over her head and stay there for sometimes days. Okay. That is overwhelm. That is that complete feeling of helplessness at, at the extreme level. I mean, she had an extreme pattern for that. Right. As we started to work with these patterns and had her just remove each of those emotions, we broke it down, we deconstructed each of that emotion inside the overwhelm. And she started to remove each pattern one at a time, one at a time. She came to the remarkable conclusion. She said, oh my gosh, she said, I can just ride the waves. I don't have to get swept up in the waves, right? And she went on to create a business. Oh, in three years, she had created a multi-million dollar business. She was CFO across um, three continents. Like she was just remarkable after that, unstoppable after that. So yeah, it does feel initially as somebody comes to me at the start, it can be very overwhelming because they've got all of this pattern box that they created in their childhood years. And all of that is being challenged mm-hmm. by the situation that they're in. I like, but, how, I like how you broke down overwhelm in itself as almost uh, picking apart the different emotions because sometimes, and I've noticed this throughout parenting of we don't really identify all of our emotions. Like there's so many times we just say we're mad. Well, are we mad or are we frustrated? Are, you know, we don't really dive deeper into it. We just give it a surface level answer, say that's our emotion, but it's typically a lot deeper than just one word. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I like, I'm going to give your listener a new way to look at emotions. Okay. Okay. Let's stop labeling emotions as positive or negative. Here's how, here's how I'd like you to see them. There are expanded emotions and there are contracted emotions. Expanded emotions make you feel energized, open to the world, powerful, um, Um, more capable, more confident, more knowing. Contracted emotions make you feel doubtful. They make you go inwards. They make you cringe a little bit. All right. So let's put these in different categories. Happiness, excitement, peace of mind. All of those are expanded, but Mm -hmm. so are anger, uh, frustration, disgust. All of those make you feel powerful, correct, right? Inside yourself, more confident in your direction, contracted emotions, shame, doubt, sadness, fears, 
all of that makes you doubt, makes you go inwards. Okay, great. Mm. If we can start to look at emotions in this way, then we can start to say, okay, I'm running an expanded emotion of anger, for example. Where do I feel that in the body? Where is that showing up? Oh, I notice that it's in my stomach. I notice there's a heat rising from my belly. I notice that I'm feeling like I want to move into action and do something to fix this situation. Perfect. If we can just keep breaking it down. All right. I'm just running an expanded emotion. Right? There's nothing I need to do to fix this. I just got to be with it. I just got to sit with it. It will deconstruct. Right. Yeah. Especially like the anger part too. I know. And I love the, the way that you're breaking apart negative and positive. Cause there's so many times that you just think positive is, is happy and negative is, is anger or feeling, but I, it's the guilt and shame makes way more sense of how you feel constricted in that. And, and anger is definitely one of those feelings. Like it can blow up and just rule your life. Like it can, you can live in a mode of anger, being angry at the world all day, every day in the same breath, you can live in a, in a place of peace and happiness. And it has the same power. It's, it's like energetically the same power. Yeah. So we are, we are really taught in our Western culture to fear the emotion of anger. Mm. So I'd like to I'd like to say a statement. Gandhi was an angry man. Mm. Okay. We forget that anger is actually as an emotion, it's a messenger. It's talking about our passions. It's telling us when somebody has stepped over our boundaries. It is not a bad emotion. But when we fear the emotion, we turn that emotion into action. And that's where it gets fearful. Mm. That's where people rage and react. It's because they're not actually listening to their messenger and asking, hmm, okay, I'm feeling angry. What is causing, which pattern is causing that anger? And just identifying what that pattern is. What's going on in my world out here that is causing this reaction internally? Because that way a person can direct that anger in the way of their passions. Now I'm going to say something else. Passion is the root of compassion. When we fear our anger, when we start feeling guilty and ashamed because we're feeling angry, when we don't know how to see anger as an emotion and not as an action, then we stop actually being compassionate. You know, a mother bear is extremely compassionate (laughs) and she has channeled her anger in a way that helps supports her. I mean, if we can use animals as metaphors, right? Right. Um, So especially women in today's culture, we are taught to really fear our anger. We are taught that we're a bitch when we're angry and just to turn inwards and to ask, all right, messenger, thank you for sharing. You're trying to tell me something. What are you trying to show me? Um, really helps us to get a handle on that anger and see it differently. Wow. I love that. I love everything you're saying. It it has just resonated with me on such a deep level. If someone is listening today and, and this is resonating with them too, and they're like, okay, I have some patterns that need to be changed. What is the best first step for them to take to really start achieving their goals? Well, if you're a reader, I highly recommend my book, which you can get for free. All I ask is that somebody pays for shipping, but it really talks about patterns. It dives into what is a pattern, 
How do you work with your patterns? How do we upgrade those patterns? The four-step repatterning technique is laid out step-by-step in that book. So if you're a reader, I recommend that. Um, if, if you're not a reader, my website has some training on there. There's always free webinars that people can att- attend, offered usually once a month. Um, so people can really get a handle. And there's the Pattern Maker Hub, which is an opportunity to really dive into the community of people who are using repatterning and use the community to support you in understanding your own patterns. So three options, my book, if you're a reader, free training, which is available on my website, or join us in the community and uh, get some real support. Oh, I love that. And I love all the options for all the different ways that you learn and connect to a little something for everyone. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Adele, you are a true change maker. Thank you so much for sharing your light and joining me today. Oh, thank you, Lauren. It's been my pleasure. Adele is full of wisdom. I could have talked to her all day. I learned so much and hope you did too. I've linked Adele's website and social channels on this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. Next week, we're diving into a topic that feeds off of this one. And the episode is titled, Can't Stop Thinking. Hmm. (laughs) I'll first see you back here on Friday for another episode of Fuel Your Life Friday. But until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.